tuned in to Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. Welcome to the Village Vision Podcast, where community collaboration and care converge. I'm Dr. Crystal Morrison, and I'm honored to be your host on this incredible journey. As a firm believer in the power of a united village, I'm thrilled to bring you inspiring stories, research, and projects that break down barriers in child and family care. Through heartfelt conversations with experts, advocates, and those with lived experiences, we'll showcase the transformative impact of collective support. So join me on the Village Vision podcast as we explore the remarkable collaborations that lead to better outcomes, foster a sense of community, and inspire action to improve care for ourselves and everyone around us. On today's episode, I'm here with Mary Helen Reeker. Mary Helen is seasoned nonprofit leader with additional experience in for-profit and educational fields. In early 2018, Mary Helen joined the Autism Society of Greater Cincinnati as CEO. In 2023, the organization rebranded to what's today known as Autism Connections. The mission of Autism Connections is to uplift the Southwest Ohio autism community through education, resources, connections, and lifelong support. Welcome, Mary Helen. Thank you, Crystal. I'm excited to be here. Great. Well, we met uh, through a childhood friend of mine, Sonia, who I reconnected with after 30 years. Uh, Sonia works with you at Autism Connections, so it's, it's just another example of what a small world it is, right? Absolutely. So I, I was, of course, delighted to know about Autism Connections. There's uh, just an amazing organization, and I'm really excited about learning more about that organization and talking more about that. But you've been a leader in nonprofit uh, for quite a while. And so I really wanted to hear more from you about what really led you to get involved in nonprofit leadership and how that serves your why as a person. So can you tell us a little bit about your personal story? Sure. Um, So I have been in the nonprofit world for 30 years, so most of my career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as as I look back, this is not a path that I said as a kid, right? We all know as a kid, we're like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be in whatever you want to be. I didn't say, oh, I want to be a nonprofit leader. Um, I really was looking for my place in the world. And so as I went to college, I, I, I started studying family communication and gender and race communication and was really fascinated by, by how people talk to one another or don't at various stages. Right. And uh, anyway, fast forward to I go get my master's degree and I graduate and everybody says, and what the heck are you going to do with this degree? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, it, seemed, it wasn't a very straightforward degree. Let's just say that. And so I thought, well, while I figure out what I'm going to do, I'm going to go with um, an agency overseas and work overseas for a couple of years. My parents had met through the same agency. So, you know, if I really look back, I probably was um, destined for this, even though um, I'm not sure I would ever say that 
uh, before now. And <laughs> but so, so okay. <laughs> well, it gets better if we talk about disability. Is my father's work was also in disability, so very interesting. But um, so I went with this relief and development agency to Vietnam and spent three years there. Loved the work. Loved that. I mean, who goes and lives? across the world, right? Um, had these great experiences, but ultimately um, really learned that I wanted to be able to put my head on the pillow at night and feel like I made a difference in my little corner of the world. So when I came back, that kind of catapulted me into what other nonprofit work could I do? How could I use this obscure degree and feel good about what I'm doing? Um, so fast forward 30 years, uh, I can say for most of my career, I've been able to put my head on my pillow at night and feel good about the little difference that I'm making in my little part of the world. And that is so fulfilling because there's, I feel like there's nothing like a job where you don't feel like you're working. You feel like it's your passion project. Yeah. And I think my whole career has been that. Yeah. You know, I certainly can appreciate that. I've, you know, as I mentioned, I think I'm I'm trained as a scientist, and so my my brain, I see challenges, and I want to figure out who is the right group of people to pull together to tackle those challenges and um, create something impactful. And so that that's kind of always been my guiding force, my North Star, if you will. And so if you, you know, people look at my resume or my LinkedIn profile, it's crazy. I mean, I was a, a scientist for a very long time in R&D and then, you know, leadership consulting and strategy and then, you know, the software company and podcast and, you know, all of these very different things. And yes, it does seem very disjointed. But for me, there's always that consistent thread of, I see this problem. I see this big glaring problem and I want to find a way to solve it. And I want to find the right people to bring them together to solve that problem. Right. Yep. And that's sort of at the core of who I am. So uh, it, it's interesting that now our paths converge uh, given, you know, where we've been in our careers and you, as, as you said, are at autism connection. So I want to talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing at Autism Connections today and also how it's evolved a lot over the past several years, especially under your leadership. So tell me more about the work that you're doing and also how it's evolved. So Autism Connections, um, when I came in in 2018, wow, almost six years ago, Yeah, we the organization was at that time 40 Oh, gosh, can I do the math? 45, 46 years old. Okay. And so we were not a young organization mm -hmm. in time. Sure. Right? However, because we've spent most of our time uh, really being run by a group of volunteers, mm -hmm. we really, when I came in, I'm the third executive director, CEO, um, really, gosh, the last 10 years we have been, or 10 or 12 years, have been um, professionally led. Okay. So not a long time in our history. Sure, sure. And part of the challenge with that when I came in was 
that we really had spent a lot of time kind of being whatever our group of volunteers needed them to be, needed us to be for them and their family. There's nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand. However, what it does lead to is this just disjointed set of services, right? Mm -hmm. um, when your kid is four and just diagnosed, we were really into diagnosing, not diagnosing, but understanding mm -hmm. the diagnosis and how do we support a newly diagnosed family. When those, that group of people became 12 and 13, we were really into what do we do for 12-year-olds? So the challenge with that was you were helping a certain set of, how do I want to say this, families along their journey, but you weren't necessarily helping lots, all families wherever they were in the journey. Sure. So that led to, I think, some real dissatisfaction and frustration from our community, quite frankly. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I came in and said, well, this, we really have to think about who we are and how we serve. If we say we serve the autism community, how do we do that no matter where you're at? Right. So we also were a part of a national organization. We were a chapter of a national organization, mm -hmm. Autism Society of America. And again, nothing wrong with being a chapter, but what we were finding was our paths were just after 50 years, mm -hmm. no longer running quite the same direction. Got it. Uh, we spent, I spent the first three years, Crystal, really looking at and talking to families here and saying, what is the gap? What are you missing? What do you wish yeah. you had? And so that really culminated in us saying, we can't be everything to everyone. So in Southwest Ohio alone, there are over 57,000 people, just statistically, who, who yeah. have autism. Sure. Mm -hmm. We can't be everything to everyone. So what can we do and do well and still meet as many families as we can? Right. So we made a conscious decision in 2023, both to change our name, but while doing that to really, really focus our direction. Mm -hmm. We heard by and large that families who entered transition age, that 12-year, 12, 12 to 14-year-olds and older, right. really felt like they were falling off a cliff. Yep. Services start um, declining, right? Um, I don't know if people think you're supposed to graduate from autism at 12. Uh, I'm not really sure I get that. Uh, it's a lifelong disability. But services don't keep up. Right. So we made a conscious decision to figure out how to support families and bring more services to them at transition age and adults. Doesn't mean we don't serve newly diagnosed or, or little kids. Sure. But the focus of our growth really is in that transition age and adults. And part of what we brought in, we're expanding from just recreational fun programs, which are necessary. Sure. Yeah. Into more how do we train, how do we build capacity in our individuals and our families. So we're now teaching social skills for um, teens and adults, which this year in 2023 will have graduated 31 individuals. Oh, um, fantastic. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it's huge. And it's new. Um, it's brand new. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> this is wonderful. And what we have seen, which is even more impressive than graduating 31 uh, people, is we have seen some genuine friendships 
in teens and adults who have said they have had no friends before. Right. Um, now you'd meet some of these young adults and you'd think they grew up together. That's right. So to me, really focusing on building capacity, all of those soft skills that we don't really teach anywhere. Right. right? Um, you and I didn't learn how to make friends. We <laughs> learned by trial and error. Nobody taught us. It wasn't a class. There should be a class, by the way. I agree completely. (laughs) (laughs) But we started doing that and really pushing ourselves into how does this support the individual? Because in all reality, if you look at adulthood and you look at the fact that somewhere between 86 and 93% of individuals with autism are unemployed or underemployed, Mm -hmm. not because they don't have a skill, but because they lack the social skills and understanding all the social stuff that happen around us, you get hired because you interview well, not just because you're good at a job. Well, if you don't have the social skills to understand the social cues, you probably don't interview well. We tend not to, to get fired from a job because we can't do a job. It's or our jobs become difficult, right? Even if we don't get fired, um, because of the social skills, because we don't understand the social norms. Sure. You, you can't be too direct with your boss too often and tell them what you really think without that causing some tension. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a learned social skill on how do we express ourselves without being, without feeling, let, letting the other person feel like we're being rude or whatever. So we really are trying to fill all those gaps that will lead to long-term satisfaction. And I know this is a buzzword, but best life experience for individuals, whatever your own best life is. Sure. And obviously I can talk about it for forever. (laughs) Well, I think what I love and, and truly appreciate about the shift in mission and shift in focus is because my child is 20. And I'll be honest with you, even though I have been that, type A parent, navigating the system of care, looking under every rock and resource for services and support, I absolutely felt as he was 14, 15, 16, 18, that there was a real cliff. And it's almost as if, like you say, well, at 18, you mysteriously graduate from autism and it's no longer a part of your life. Well, what? who are we kidding, right? And so I think that, you know, I speak for myself as a parent, uh, a now almost 20-year-old who was diagnosed many years ago when we were still using different terms like high-functioning autism and Asperger's, and there was less awareness and acceptance and also less engagement among parents. We didn't have the Facebook groups necessarily back then and so on and so forth, and so you really felt like you were on an island by yourself. And I know I speak for myself and and some other parents who have children who are in their 20s and 30s when I say, you know, we haven't always been used to being able to speak up uh, and, uh, you know, have felt for years like our parenting was being judged and we were being judged. And so we've gotten so much better about it. But I speak from personal experience when I say 
there's absolutely a cliff, a cliff in, in this perception that, oh, well, you were diagnosed at an early age, you got all of these services, therefore, <laughs> go off and be merry, right? And so yeah. I, I just wanted to reiterate how much I appreciate that shift in focus, really making sure that we're serving teenagers and adults and families of those teenagers and adults to build capacity as well, right? Yeah. Well, and, and interesting because as much as as things have changed, mm-hmm. things have also stayed the same. Yeah, Family yeah. Is still at diagnosis, whether your child is 2 or 22, right. still feel alone and isolated, sure. right? They, they still don't know where to go, what to do. You know, and and by the way, adult or individuals who are diagnosed as adults or in their teen years, I hear families say all the time, people are just like, well, you don't even need services because they've managed through the academics of school. And I'm like, well, you know, that's not everything, <laughs> right? Um, it, we have higher higher anxiety, higher depression in people who don't have friends. One or two friends make the difference between feeling valuable and feeling worthless. Mm-hmm. And autism doesn't have to make you feel alone, isolated, worthless, friendless. Right. It should be looked on as a gift that has some challenges, just yeah. like, I don't want to minimize it, but just like a lot of people, we have gifts and we have challenges, but we need to address those challenges. Mm-hmm. Even with the gifts and the new perspective that autism brings us, I I like to say that it's given me a different lens to see the world. And and I'm really grateful for that. And and I also know that my son has some tremendous gifts. But what, you know, we as a community also have to continue to remind everyone is that it is a spectrum. It's not necessarily a linear spectrum either. It's this three-dimensional world. And, you know, someone said once, if you meet one person with autism, you met one person with autism. And that's so very true. And I think that also contributes to why no matter where you are when you're receiving that new diagnosis, whether you're an individual or a parent or a child or or a parent of an adult and, and receiving that diagnosis, it, you do feel so alone because it's not one size fits all uh, for every single person. You and I, of course, could talk all day, but tell us a little bit more about where you see autism connections going over the next few years. I'm really excited about where our future lies, to be really honest. Mm-hmm. So as I look into the future, I see and I have heard other gaps that mm-hmm. families have told me. And we're looking to fill them. So coming in 2024, for example, we are going to do a multi-week financial literacy class. And not financial literacy, I really want to teach more practical skills. So what does the budget look like? How do you balance a checkbook? You know, things that, quite frankly, I don't think we're learning anywhere, Mm -hmm. neurotypical or neurodivergent. That's absolutely correct. To me, it's a practical skill. Um, So that's something that's coming. We're looking at other skills, sexuality and relationships. We've started delving into this. Again, I'm not really sure why there's an assumption that our kids probably don't have any of those feelings. And (laughs) heck, they probably will never get married and they'll be just fine. Um, Last I checked, they're still human. 
So um, they have feelings. They want relationships. Maybe they're awkward about it. Again, I think a lot of neurotypicals are awkward about it. So um, we want to start teaching some of those things to keep our kids, not just to educate them, but to keep our kids safe. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Because our kids can be taken advantage of right. financially, sexually. Like, there's a whole lot mm-hmm. of space. And if you know more, you're more responsible. We can't just assume that people are going to learn it. So I will also tell you that my big dream, my team, I, I love them. They're amazing. But we all work remote. Also mm-hmm. wonderful. The challenge with that, however, is that – we rely on the grace of other nonprofits and people who believe in what we do to use space when we come together. And ah, yeah. I looked at our calendar for next year. I think we are meeting three or four times a week in person somewhere besides our online stuff. So yeah. that's a lot to ask of people. Yeah. I want a center. Like if you want to, if you want the big dream, I want a center where people can come to not feel alone and isolated, where families can come and and just build community, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's through support groups or hanging out, whether it's fun activities or it's a class we're teaching, or I can see it. I can see yeah. a center that is community center-esque, maybe. Yeah. That would be, I don't know, the center for autism in Southwest Ohio. Wouldn't that be cool? Absolutely. And a great employment opportunity for many of those fabulous individuals you've been training over the years, right? Oh my gosh. The sky's the limit. That would be so awesome. Yes. Um, That would be simply incredible to me. Yeah. Yeah. Those big dreams are all possible and love to see that happen for sure. Uh, So as we wrap up today, Mary Helen, You've got lots of great ideas for 2024. I know that there's many great ideas moving forward for Autism Connections, certainly. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about how our listeners can get involved with Autism Connections, support the work you do, or support others in this community as well? So we do dream big. But really, when it comes down to it, there are lots of things people can do. Get involved. Right. If you're here in Southwest Ohio, get involved with us, whether that's volunteering or donating or what the heck, come to our February 29th Art Across the Spectrum event, which is going to be the world's most fun fundraiser. If you're not in Southwest Ohio, but are impacted by autism or connected to autism in some way, we'll connect with us and we'll help you connect with someone in your community. And, of course, we do things online, so if what we do works for you, join us there. Big dreams take big dollars. I'm just going to say that. And, you know, so any support, big or small, is so valuable. But really, because this is what, you know, warms my heart, is if you have a loved one with autism, if you are someone with autism, connect with us because, We want to support you. You are part of our community, no matter where you live. That's fantastic. And and we will have the website link for Autism Connection and Mary Helen's contact information in our show notes. It is Autism Connections. AutismSensi.org is the website. You can go to that website. You can find out different ways. You can get involved. You can donate. 
And as Mary Helen mentioned, there is going to be that great fundraiser at the end of February. I know that this episode will air in January of 2024. So for those of you who are listening, be sure to check out that fundraiser uh, in February, not too far ahead. But one of the other things, you know, when Mary Helen and I were talking is Autism Connections does certainly serve the Southern Ohio region, Cincinnati area. They do have online resources that serve uh, the greater community across the United States, of course. But if you're really looking for something a little closer to home, to have that in-person experience, there are all sorts of different organizations that are out there. So really encourage you to look for local resources in your area. Those are almost always nonprofits as well. So don't forget that volunteering and, and dollars really help continue the work of those organizations. So I hope that you will really look to Autism Connections or others in your area. Mary Helen, any other things that you'd like to add today? This was so much fun. I so enjoy it. I really do hope that you listeners connect with autism organizations wherever you're at. And if you don't know who they are, honestly, reach out. We'll help you connect with them. There's some great organizations across the country. And like Crystal said, they are almost all nonprofits. (laughs) So um, connect with them. They're doing really important work. And thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mary Helen, on the Village Vision podcast. I'm grateful that you shared your story and your experience with our listeners. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Village Vision podcast. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights from our conversation today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review, share, all of those things. But thank you for being a part of the Village Vision podcast on Word of Mom Radio. Take care and let's keep shining a light on the power of community, collaboration, and care. She is sure. She is-